Good morning. Every few seconds there's a blur as a bike goes past them. We, we have different things that happen in our lives and different parts of stories come together. And in uh, 1 Corinthians, which we're going through, we, we heard part of that story last Sunday night. We started hearing the beginning of this chapter. And uh, I was talking about how next door we are growing potatoes. And how they're developing at different rates, maturing maybe not quite how we expected in the order that we planned. I also said that when I use the word we in relation to the garden, I actually mean Emily, <laughs> right? We is a bit of a royal we, but more directed that way. Anyway, one of the other things sown in the garden... Is this? Anyone know? Other than Emmeline, anyone spot? Corn. <coughs> Sweet corn. But it's maybe not going to grow as tall as it possibly might. Any idea why? It's in a pot. Yeah, excellent. It's in a pot. The pot restricts the root. It means it doesn't have a good foundation. It won't be able to grow this high as it might be able to. It needs to be planted out. And likewise, as Izzy was demonstrating earlier, a building will only grow tall and strong if it has a good foundation, if it's got something solid underneath it. We're probably all familiar, whether we've been there or not, with the Leaning Tower of Pisa. The foundations, not deep enough and on not solid enough ground. It started to lean over even while it was still being built. And the work stopped for about a hundred years before recommencing. They thought that the ground had become more solid, but it hadn't. And it carried on leaning further and further and further and it wasn't until the end of the 20th century when serious remedial work started to be done digging out underneath one side, putting lead weights on it to try and bring it if not upright at least to some level of stability if we are not rooted firm and deep in the way of Jesus, 
If we do not have a solid foundation, then we will not grow right, we will not be built in the right way. Paul declares himself to have been a craftsman, a master builder, an experienced and knowledgeable one. The word in Greek that is used for builder here gives us the word architect. It's somebody that really knows what they're doing, hopefully. But it's someone who is going to do the right job. And Paul introduced to Corinth the cornerstone that is Jesus Christ. There is no other way that a church can be built other than building on the Lord as our foundation. Paul had started to build on this solidity in his time in the city. But still, this was just the first few courses of blocks, the first layer or two of bricks. The work of building takes a long time, and for the building of the church, it's continual. He laid, he directed the foundations to be in place for them. But the building work of a church becomes part of what the church does. We become our own builders. The worship leaders, the preachers, the pastoral team, the outreach, the welcomers, those that do hospitality by making tea and coffee, those who plan programs for fellowship and in touch, those that make sure you can hear me, those that get the words on the screen, those that do youth work on a Sunday or during the week. Each one of you that gathers here is to be a builder and engage in the building of our church. The building of the one church, that of Christ our Lord. And when you are here or out in the world the rest of the week, in your school or college, in your community, in your home, when you come to the polling station on Thursday... When you do these things, you are builders of the church. But how are you building? Are you building on what Christ has done? Are you building on that cornerstone? Are your values guided by a moral compass that points to Jesus? As the people of the Corinthian church built, they seemed to get distracted. They were slapdash with the mortar. They put the stones in, higgledy-piggledy. They didn't look at the plans that are found in Scripture. They didn't listen 
to how Jesus had taught them to live. And so they started looking at the people who had been or the people that they had learned of and considered those individuals to be the foundations. Paul, Apollos, Peter, and others that had come. But actually, people like Apollos were a fellow builder, albeit a skilled one. Some said, we belong to Apollos. And we had that in about first or second week, didn't we, as we started this journey. They put their identity in him. But what they should have been saying was, Apollos belongs to us. Apollos is one of our community, as is Peter, as is Paul, as is our neighbor who also worships the Lord. For we are all together builders of the kingdom. We are all one in Christ. An equally concerning matter is that the church is building not just haphazardly, taking the good material that they're supposed to, but not quite putting it in place. They are using poor quality goods. The church in Corinth is adapting itself to the society round about, taking from the society things that it says, yeah, that's fine. We can carry on living that way. It's not speaking into the culture but adapting the culture for its own. The artisan might use marble or gold or silver or precious stones to create an amazing place. But the poorly skilled people of Corinth equated to using hay and straw They still had jealousy and greed. There was still sexual uh, immorality among them. There was other sinfulness. Sinfulness that would be easily burned up and destroyed in the day of judgment. They were not using the right gifts. Yet Paul, even as he says this, gives them hope. Because Paul is trying to walk with them and say, this is the right path. Come this way. He's not saying, well, that's you. You're gone. You've lost it. No. He gives them hope. The builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved. Even though only as one escaping through the flames. Paul is reminding them and us of the hope that comes alive when we give our life to the Lord. Yes, we still do things wrong. We still commit sin. And on the day of Christ's return, all will become known. And things will be seen for what they are. 
nothing will be hidden. But we are also marked by the Holy Spirit dwelling in our heart. And so will be saved the separation from God that would otherwise befall us. We are close to the fire. We are walking round the very side and perhaps even almost through the middle of it. But it's almost through the middle of it. We are not being burned. God's mercy will prevail because he loves us. You are the holy temple, the living body of Christ that is in the world today. You, together, are the church. And you are enormously precious to God. He cares about every single one of you. But there is a danger that the temple can be damaged. And sometimes it is those who are the builders who cause the damage. Sometimes it is us rather than society outside that becomes the stumbling block. At Easter, you might remember there was a bit of a storm after sort of the Sunday night into the Monday. And uh, during that storm, uh, at Rycroft next door, some of the hip tiles came off. Came off a, a ridge at the back of the house. So we've had some roofers come in to put some nice tiles up and repair the damage. In the process, they knocked a huge chunk of mortar down through into the roof void, which fortunately didn't come all the way through the ceiling of mine and Emmeline's bedroom, but did knock a hole in it, which David has since fixed, thankfully. You know. Sometimes it is the builders that cause the damage. They don't mean to, but it happens. A greater example might be that of Windsor Castle in 1992. There were picture restorers doing some renovations in the chapel. But they couldn't see quite well enough, so they switched on all the lights including the one that was hid behind a curtain, which they happened to have a painting propped up against, causing the curtain to lean against the light. And what happens? The need for an awful lot of restoration work. The fire that took place ended up costing $36 million. To repair at Windsor Castle. In both cases, people that knew their job caused damage. How often do we fool ourselves 
and say that we know what is right, but are actually doing something that's wrong. How often are we incorrect in our understanding? How often do we say something of the church, of Christ, of the Christian faith, and we're actually saying it wrongly and causing heart and pain to others within our own fellowship? Our faith may encourage us to do great things, to give sacrificially to those in need, to lovingly touch the lepers of our society, crossing the road to give assistance rather than walking by on the other side. Yet historically people have used their faith to defend slavery as well as bring the argument to abolish it. And even in the past week, in the wake of the mass murder uh, in the gay nightclub in Orlando, we see some, the Westboro Baptist Church, proclaiming that God hates the gay people. We might not understand what they do. They seem to have forgotten the words that God so loved the world. That everyone who has faith may come to him. Hate is a difficult word to use connecting God with other people. Maybe hating behaviour, not approving what is right, but hating individuals is not a word of love. And there, it might be easy for us to dismiss that church that also stands at funeral processions of soldiers that have come back to America from foreign wars and saying that God hated those soldiers. It might be easy for us to dismiss them as extreme Americans who have no place in the Church of Christ. But there are people even within this village who claim to be Christian but express Hatred of others, both in person and on social media. Does God hate? He hates behaviour that we do wrong, but he loves people. Are people who always claim to be Christians actually doing a Christian thing? We must seek to build our church safe in the knowledge that God loves, God forgives, and God longs for us to be his. And we have the right resources to do it. We have the building materials. 
we have the people. We are the builders of the kingdom together. For we are equipped by the Holy Spirit. So let us consider what is right and be people who are of Christ. And may we be people who declare that we are God's. Amen.